God made us a family. God gave us each other's hearts. God keeps us together. The following podcast was recorded in August of 2019, shortly after the book, Abuse of Trust, was published. In this episode, Alan Hebert interviews Jess McGuire and her daughter, Christina. Jess McGuire here in uh, beautiful Milford, Massachusetts, and uh, and my wife and I and our kids were out on our family vacation, and and uh, we decided to stop by and meet the people I've been working with for the past uh, seven to eight months, and uh, I thought it'd be a good idea just to sit and get to know Jess a little bit. If you read uh, the book Abuse of Trust, you will uh, get to know Jess pretty well. But uh, what, what isn't really talked about in the book is kind of how all this happened. And so uh, I'm just going to ask Jess a couple of questions, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. But, but Jess, why did you decide to share your story? I want to make a difference for other people who are going through the same thing. And the more people talk about it and the more people have... Um, share experiences um, we can make a difference instead of keeping this a big deep dark secret and hiding it in the closet because um, the more people are open the more healing this will become and how exactly did you find out about my idea to write a book and a podcast and a podcast so you listen to podcast uh, quite a bit yes now my podcast, and I, again, everybody will know that my podcast is not very regular. I, uh, I selected SoundCloud because it was the cheapest option, and it seemed to be the most flexible and the least amount of work. And uh, to me, that's kind of a beautiful story. Not that I did the least amount of work to do a podcast, but because I put it out there, and I might have, I don't know, 30 people listen to one, and you were one of them, which is pretty amazing. And... Uh, I know you called me one morning, it was a Sunday morning, I believe, and you just asked, are you a guy writing the book? How did you feel when you made that call to somebody you didn't know in Texas? I wanted to make sure I was dealing with someone, like if I got the right number or something, but I felt like anything to impact to make a difference with this issue, because this issue is so much a heated subject people leaving the church and stopping volunteering and stuff like that when they just hear about it never mind go through it and the impact in this is probably touching each and every one of us so the more open we are to this the better off we are because we want the kids to stay in our faith and we want the kids to learn and grow and change. But if we're not open, our kids are going to shut the door and there won't be an impact made in this issue. Yeah, yeah so you felt that it was, was worthwhile to take the chance on calling somebody you heard on a podcast, on a really small podcast, and, and just seeing where it, where it led. Yeah, I didn't know it was a really small podcast, to be honest <laughs> with you, because it was on the web, but I'm yeah. not that web savvy. 
Yeah, well, it, it's neat to me to see how God could use that, uh, me just deciding to record my blog post. That's all it was. I, I, I wrote a blog post saying, hey, this is what happened to me, and I'm writing a book. And I want to see if there are other Catholics out there. Because for the longest time, I thought I was the only one. I didn't think there was any other uh, abuse survivors who were still Catholic. Now, did, did you know other people? It's hard, because a lot of people with this issue don't want to be in church like I shared in my story that it's hard like you can hyperventilate on just one thing in the mass or it's very hard I try to stay with um, pastors or um, preachers that I feel comfortable with because it is very hard you can very easily get triggered in a mass so for people to stay in the faith, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength. So did you know anybody else before meeting me? And kind of, I don't know if you talked to any of the other people in the book. I but. have had some experiences with other survivors, and they are like amazing and courageous people. But still Catholic? Yes. I've okay. even known pastors who've had this experience or people in the clergy that still um, keep their faith. And it's amazing to see. The difference, and my question is, if someone who is actually a um, pastor or something like that, if they can stay in the faith, why can't we? Because they've experienced the same exact thing we did. I had never met anybody else who was still Catholic that I knew had had been through this. It's because we don't talk about it. Yeah. So when I put out that that message on social media, seeing if there was anyone else, I figured there were. But I'd never met anybody. The first one I met was Jim Field, who I met with uh, a couple of weeks ago on my way up here to Massachusetts, and um, you know, he, <laughs> I, it was it was really something to talk to him. And his story is amazing too. Yeah, yeah. It's a powerful story. So let me ask a couple other questions, right? That's uh, uh, what can members of the church do to help survivors heal, right? People that. Maybe haven't experienced this, but they're sitting in the pews and they're just going, I feel so helpless, right? I'm scandalized by what I'm hearing in the press. What can they do to help not only survivors continue to heal, but, uh, but the church itself? Do you have any advice? Patience, understanding, and um, compassion. Because I think... Um, Deborah, Dr. Deborah Rodriguez breaks it down completely but also when you're living it in an experience people can get hurt very easily and um, with me personally I am extremely emotional so I hold it in and then all of a sudden it will hit me um, ten times over something and it takes a lot of understanding to be friends with somebody who's been through this degree of um, trauma especially in the church so being part of the community you feel like an outsider mm-hmm. when you're in you're in the community but you can feel like an outsider at any moment in time so what can priests do because you're friends with a number of priests um, and you maybe had some experiences where priests didn't react well to you. What advice would you give to people in uh, church leadership or, I mean, even within a local parish? 
on um, how they can help somebody who's been a, a victim and is now a survivor um, that's trying to still live out their faith. I think the same thing because they are so easily triggered. It does take patience and understanding and not take it personally. I think um, these poor um, priests um, have been through so much and they've been also persecuted. They've been spat on. They've been made fun of because of their clergy and all that. It's just showing it's hard for them to take what they've been through and the persecution they've been through and to actually personally bond with a survivor. It's hard because they have to really feel compassion. And it's going to take a lot of... Because they have to be careful with what they say. Some are, some are like, are you going to tell on me? Are you going to... Um, write a report on me and Mm. that's not necessarily true and I think openness and discussing it and the same thing I said is the three words patience compassion and understanding I mean it's going to take a huge amount of patience to deal with this subject and even with my field of working with other survivors we're all different we all have different needs we all have different things but we do get hurt and when we get hurt it's 10 times more of an impact than it would be with somebody else and to get over the feelings and emotions it's just very tough yeah all very irrational fears sometimes when you step back and look at it you go i shouldn't have reacted that way but i did and i couldn't help it and overthinking yeah. and over processing. I love that over word. Everything's over, over, over. Yeah, it's, I know for me, it's been a matter of recognizing that um, I don't want to respond that way, but yet I find myself doing it. And, and therapy helps, right? Um, so having good um, professionals committed to helping people is is an essential part of the healing process I had a fun experience with therapy it took me a while (laughs) I just finally probably found a therapist but I went to a lot of and that's the biggest thing is finding a therapist that can deal with something so tough I know that even in my home with family support and help I look at them and I say, my issues are too tough for you, and they take it personally, but you need somebody who is very experienced to deal with this, because you are, it affects the family, it affects everything, and you want somebody with experience with trauma, experience with all these types of issues, you don't want somebody who just got their degree. Right. <laughs> yeah, experience, uh, you, you, you can't teach that in school. So I, I guess it, it, this does bring up another question I didn't have written down, which is um, for someone listening to this who, who has uh, survived um, you know, sexual abuse, what advice would you give them? And, and, and say they're, they are Catholic, and maybe they weren't abused by a cleric, but they're looking at the church and just wondering, you know, is there any reason for me to stay here in this place where they're in the news every day, right? We just heard about Cardinal Pell today that he's uh, his his conviction's been upheld, and there are a whole lot of people that are going. Well, he's obviously innocent, and and he may be, I don't know, but you see that a lot. Where um, you know in this church, we're we're trying to protect ourselves as a church, 
and and sometimes it doesn't feel good to someone who has been through sexual abuse. What advice would you give to somebody else that is Catholic and has also experienced this? How how can they persevere? Don't listen to other people when they say that. Just a lot of prayer, a lot of going to friends that you really trust and can handle this and trying your best to think that they're just cleaning house and that whether Cardinal, that Cardinal is innocent or not, God's going to make that decision. I think you shared a story about that saint. St. Gerard. Yeah. He was um, accused, falsely accused, and eventually the truth came out. And that's another thing is people ask me why I didn't tell, why didn't I do it and tell, why didn't I didn't tell. I struggled with ruining people's careers. And what if I was only like, I was very young. And what if I said the wrong thing? What if it's not really true? What if... What if I'm over-exaggerating? What if this really should have happened? And all these questions came in. You don't want to destroy a career of someone. So somebody to make this accusation, and many people coming forward, it's hard to say, but you got to trust God that this is actually true and God's really cleaning house because... It's hard, and a lot of Catholics are saying that um, survivors are falsely accusing people and stuff like that, and yes, it happens. It happens in the 2% of cases, or they could have an issue and they accuse the wrong person or something, but knowing that God will eventually have the truth come out. Yeah. Now, our church is suffering all around, and... Uh... Um, we just need to be very careful about um, discounting a survivor who comes forward and shares something that's really painful, and it's a lot of work for them to get to that point where they share with anybody. Um, so we, I think, at least from a survivor's standpoint and from a member of the church's standpoint, we need to err on the side of the survivor because uh, they feel very, very alone. And the greatest fear I know that I have had is that someone's not going to care. That when I share with something that personal and that uh, it's part of publishing this book, you know, that recurring thing of, well, we just we're very vulnerable. Does anybody really care? And and that's a fear that every survivor has, whether they choose to share it in a public way or just in a very private way with a single person. That's what they fear is that when they share this that somebody's not going to care or is just going to be like, oh, that's nice, and walk away. Yeah, and one touch can, can change it. it. It's like a death sentence. It kills your soul, and it's hard to get... It, it's hard to um, get, like, kind of reborn again, trying to try to cl- get your way back into the faith and trying to really feel free again it's a battle like you basically died and you have to just try to get happy and get your life back and get your family situated it's a tough battle Mm -hmm. and people don't know that so somebody to make this accusation even just one thing like 
it's tough. It's not easy. Yeah. All right. So it's been seven months that we've worked on this book. Knowing what you know now and how much work it was to actually complete a chapter, which isn't everything that happened to you, but it's it's meant to provide a glimpse into your struggle and your eventual um, you know, maintaining of your faith and, and your road to healing. Um, knowing everything that's happened over the last seven months, would you do it again? Would you agree to share your story in this way and write it down? Would you agree to do that again, knowing what you know now? Right now, I'm unsure. <clears throat> I want to make sure this makes a difference in other people because that's the reason why I did it. I didn't do it just to share my story. I want to impact others so we can make a difference. So with it only being out a week, I'm hoping I made the right decision, but right now I can't answer that question. Yeah. I'm hoping it will impact so many people. And I like the way it goes with the stories and then teaches key assets of how to help one another and heal. It can touch survivors, it can touch clergy, it can help family members, it can help even people who are not in the clergy abuse. So ask me that in six months and I'll let you know. <laughs> and uh, for those of you listening, if you can please pray for our success, know that uh, this book is self-published. And so we're relying on uh, people that care to help us get the word out about this book and how it can help others. Thanks, Jess. You're welcome. Bye. All right. Well, welcome uh, once again to part two of the Massachusetts uh, podcast. From uh, we're now in where are we at? Hopedale. No. We're Upton. In, Upton. Where? Upton. Upton. We're in Upton. We we moved to a new location, and this time we're going to visit with uh, Christina. Yeah. All right, Christina. Welcome. Yeah, so it's your, 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 like, you've done a bunch of podcasts, you're a professional at this? Nope. No, <laughs> so this is first podcast. Wow, that's exciting. So uh, we're here to talk to you a little bit about your experience as being um, the, uh, a member of a family where, where unfortunately sexual abuse has affected your mother. And uh, so you gave me a few questions to ask you, which is great because... Uh, I know with uh, talking to my own children, we just kind of wing it, and um, they've all read my story and my wife's story, and um, it's been interesting for each one of each one of them. They kind of act a little differently, they process it differently. So I'm very curious about your experience. So uh, one of the things that um, I'd like to ask you is, you know, how does your mother mother's experience um, affect you? And, and your family. I think, if anything, it brought us stronger into our faith in that sometimes just talking with my mom, realizing what she's gone through, and that even with everything she's been able to stick through it, it almost inspired me to be able to do the same. Where, like, before I was really aware of all this, it, it kind of was just, like, I mean, I had a pretty strong belief but it was just a lot of rationalization it was a lot of thinking but like you really get that emotional component when you see a struggle when you go through it yourself when like we got essentially like kind of pushed away from a lot of people and like experiencing that myself it 
it did it brought you stronger in prayer brought you stronger just within outlets of your own just kind of being able to like expel that feeling into you know your religion and yeah I think it, it brought us stronger in our faith uh, that's kind of the opposite of what most people would think that when you run into something very difficult almost like the culture says avoid it avoid that difficulty but in your experience that difficulty has actually made you stronger yeah that's beautiful so do you think as a big picture that this could in some ways make a change for the positive for maybe your family and for the church definitely i think that like kind of as you said like a lot of times we take our defeats and we take them as a burden as a struggle upon ourselves but kind of like jesus took up the cross to save us of our sins when joseph was in prison god turned that into a good thing even though like like every and that's kind of like the experience of a lot of the priests that's why i mentioned that one specifically is it's like maybe you're wrongly accused of something maybe you end up somewhere but like even if that was to happen that can be turned into something good in another light like where people can see both sides and they can see oh well this is your point of view this is my point of view and they can come to that middle ground which you were talking about to me the other day actually So, how does prayer help you through this? I mean, you mentioned a little bit about prayer, but uh, how has prayer been a source of, uh, I guess, strength for you in this, in, in dealing with this and, and helping your mother as well? I think the good thing about prayer is, like, it just, it lets you let things out, like, in the same way that you would, like, I mean, when you talk to yourself, you basically are praying, and, like, I write a lot too so that's a, a huge part of it and um but it's kind of like that open chair concept like you're talking to maybe someone who who hasn't who isn't there that you can talk to them or you're not ready to do that yet but first you can talk to God you can use that as a sort of transition into it and God like he's like he's literally always there there's no there's no time in your life where there's not going to be anyone you can talk to when you have your faith because you have someone always there with you. And I think it especially helps in all of this because you can feel very alone when you're like, like even if you didn't experience it directly, like a lot of my experiences are secondhand experiences, but like even if you don't experience it directly, you get the impact of it and you can feel alone. It's like, it's crazy. You you can feel like you did something wrong when like you you didn't you didn't do anything. So over the last seven months, as your as your mother's been writing about this, how's that been for you? Has it has it affected you, or did she just kind of go off into her room and you didn't notice? No, I was definitely like there through a lot of it, and she um she like I remember at one point in time we. We actually went to this restaurant that everyone said was cursed. That's a little <laughs> off topic, but um, she 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 was talking to a friend there, and I just I remember I was reading. I haven't read her full story yet, actually, but I read like about ninety percent of it just then and there, and it was it was a lot. There were a lot of things that I didn't even know about her that I'm like 
you wrote things in this book that I haven't even heard you say out of your mouth. Like, I know, I feel like I know you better as a person now. And it, it really has been eye-opening to me and helped me see her perspective and not just my own. And I know we can get into arguments sometimes, so it, it really does help me kind of see, like, this isn't her, like, not, I don't know, loving you or something. This is her taking out what she's been through upon you because you you're there and I do the same thing I mean to a lesser extent but I mean we all do this we all take everything we've been through and we start shouting it up at the first person to our left you know like <laughs> yeah yeah so how have you been able to to help your mother through this I don't know if I can answer that I think that's something she'd have to answer for herself but I think um I think I've tried to help her by just being an ear to to talk to, but um, or but other than that, I mean that's all I can do for people is like you can't change what already happened. You can only be there to listen. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with the people that are are listening to this podcast? Um, to maybe other other children of. Uh, of survivors um, any words of wisdom that you could uh, give them or even even to the church um, you know how is that uh, I mean you're a, you're a young person you have a different perspective than those of us who have hit middle age <laughs> and we value that so what else might you add just despite what the general public believes despite what everyone says about like anything wrong that happens despite any sort of lashback just keep pushing forward don't don't take that as a oh let's go dig a grave for ourselves like resurrect yourself like get get up keep going and don't don't fall don't fall and stay fallen fall to get up you know get back up all right well thank you very much god made us a family God gave us each other's hearts. God keeps us together. God keeps us from falling apart. God made us a family. Thank you for listening. For more information on Your Holy Family Ministries, please visit yourholyfamily.org. For more information on the Abuse of Trust book, please visit abuseoftrust.org or purchase the book on amazon.com Whether-